African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. All right, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. You're listening to us on DSTV Channel 802 on the board, on the audio bouquet, rather. Remember, we are South Africa's external service into Sub-Saharan Africa. Internationally, you can listen to us on our website. We're on www.channelafrica.co.za. The breaking story right now is related to our topic today, which is the state capture inquiry, uh, the South Africa's constitution. Court has ruled that former President Jacob Zuma must appear before the state capture inquiry. We know that uh, under the spotlight right now is uh, a very important uh, issue around the state security agencies. The state capture commission of inquiry has heard now three former state security uh, ministers have been fingered by an unidentified state security agency manager as the members of the executives who oversaw the abuse of the agency and its men Mandates. A secret witness identified only as Ms. K told the Commission of Inquiry into State Capture yesterday that uh, Siabonga Kwele, uh, David Matlobo, and Bongani Bongo were um, State Security Minister under uh, former President Jacob Zuma. The three of them abused the agencies and its mandate at executive levels. Another witness, Mr. Y, said he believed that uh, Lomo's recruitment of co workers to Form a private uh, force of agents for then President Jacob Zuma in 2008 to 2009 was part of a plan to make him a powerful figure in the agency when he was eventually appointed in 2012. Well, to help us on this particular topic, we're joined by uh, Kanyima Gubane, who's one of my favorite broadcasters. I have to say, my mom misses you on air, Kanyi. Uh, she's also uh, moved to becoming a political analyst. Kanyi, thank you for giving us your time. Oh, it seems like she's also gone. Let's see if we can re-establish that particular line. But uh, it's a very interesting moment, especially the fact that now we're zooming into this issue of uh, state security agencies. And the timing is also interesting in light of the fact that now uh, the Constitutional Court has uh, ordered the former president of South Africa, uh, Jacob Zuma, to appear uh, before the state capture inquiry. Uh, definitely there's more evidence that is uh, piling up against uh, the former president of South Africa. Let's take a quick break and see if we can reconnect with our guests on the line. Bringing you your latest news on the novel coronavirus disease COVID-19. For Channel Africa, I'm Simon Muchemwa in Harare, Zimbabwe. Make sure you and people around you follow good respiratory hygiene. This means covering your mouth and nose with your bent elbow and tissue when you cough and sneeze. 
Then dispose the used tissue immediately. All right, I think we have Kanye now. That's Kanye Magubane, political analyst and broadcaster, uh, joining us. And uh, Theo Fenter, uh, who is a political analyst from the University of Northwest. Let me start with you, Theo. Thank you for giving us your time. Uh, my pleasure. Theo, the latest is uh, this breaking story of uh, the former president, uh, Jacob Zuma, uh, being ordered by the Constitutional Court to appear before the state capture inquiry. This was inevitable, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was inevitable. And I think what um, Judge Zondo did with this application to the Constitutional Court was to circumvent the normal Zuma um, play, and that is to go from one court to another court to another court, mm. which, of course, buys time. So this time they short-circuited the whole process, and um, that that brings us to the point where in the last week or two, I think um, clarity about the nature of state capture became became a little bit more... Obvious. In other words, there was a central figure which not necessarily approved everything, but created the climate and the conditions for people to do things. That's, that's the pivotal position that I think old President Zuma took. Then there was the state capture proceedings, which entailed the private sector dealings mm. uh, with the Guptas and so on and so on. Then there was a second dimension, and that was the state-owned enterprises almost as a category uh, on its own. And I think over the last two weeks, we saw the role of the state security agency and the fact that they played a pivotal role in I. I always want to say enable mm. Mm. a lot of these things to happen in a very weird way. And I think for me, the most telling moment was when Sidney Mofamadi, uh, a very well-respected politician of the first um, um, group of, of politicians, compared what SSA became mm. to what the old apartheid uh, version of the National Intelligence Agency was. And I think that that was a very poignant moment um, for us to reflect on where we are uh, now following um, all of these investigations. Mm, Definitely, it has been a multi-layered situation indeed, as you highlight there, Theo. Let me bring in Kanye. Can you hear me clearly, Kanye, from your side? I can hear you. Thank you very much. What What do you make of this uh, particular order from the Constitutional Court um, that uh, former President Jacob Zuma must appear? Uh, it was going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was more alarming was the fact that uh, um, Jacob Zuma had uh, a case within the Constitutional Court. I think, first of all, uh, the Deputy uh, Chief Justice Raymond Zonda, to a certain extent, is uh, vindicated. Mm. And we saw him at great length struggling to contain 
um, the former president, Jacob Zuma, who was pulling all kinds of guns at the commission. He would come and go as he pleased. He would um, leave the proceedings without reporting, and he would be AWOL, and proceedings would not be able to continue because the witness was no longer there. We've seen him uh, asking the judge to recuse himself. You know, there's been a lot which has led us to this moment. And now that the Concord has ruled that um, the former president does have to go before um, the Zonda Commission and give a testimony there, it then says he will have the day in court he often asks for. You know, he always says that if I've done anything wrong, let me have my day in court. And we've also seen the Concord saying that he does not have a right to silence. Mm. Otherwise, he has to indicate why he feels like he will be incriminating himself if he does testify. So what this does is it forces the former president to to, to speak, you know, to open, you know, a, a window to see what was happening in there. Do I think he's actually going to do it when he gets on the stand? I think um, we can look at what the acting um, DG of uh, SSA said, um, Mr. Louis uh, Jaffer. He said mm. there's a lot of circumstantial evidence, but there's no uh, concrete evidence. So the real intelligence in all of this, Benjamin, is making all of this look like it doesn't exist. Now, the the irony around this whole situation, just staying with the Jacob Zuma issues, the fact that he did establish this particular commission and did appoint uh, the chair of this um, uh, commission and to see him actually now uh, vying against uh, the operations of this uh, um, commission is is very much uh, uh, worrying. Well, you know... Benjamin, I think when the president appointed uh, the Deputy Chief Justice Raymond Sondo, he did so under the false impression that the commission would go easy on him because of what he thought was a pre-existing friendship and sense of being cordial and cordial with each other. He thought, you know, um, Zondo is one of my men, he's he's one of my people, so when I go there, you know, I'm going to avoid... Um, you know, the spear, only to find that the spear is now directly pointing at him. Mm. Because all the testimony that has been given at uh, the Zondo Commission from literally hundreds of tests of uh, witnesses have all pointed to, um, you know, underhanded activities that took place under the Zuma administration. And most damaging recently in the uh, testimonies of Usidni Mufumadi, Ms. K, Mr. Y, they all showed that the SAA, the SSA was used, you know, as a funding mechanism for a personal protective unit. You know, we've seen chief spies like uh, Tulani Romo being listed in there, who at some point was the ambassador of South Africa to Japan. And he went missing, and the media tried at length to find him. So these are spy wars, as, mm-hmm. they've, been, as, as they've been termed. However, the former president has to come and account. But even then, I, I'm not holding my breath. I think mm-hmm. he's going to continue playing um, hide-and-seek. I think the type of testimony we saw from Dudumieni, uh, where she pleaded the first, pleaded the first, I don't mm-hmm. want to incriminate mm-hmm. myself, I have nothing to say. We may see similar uh, testimonies from the former president, or we may see him going on a long tirade um, to explain why he has nothing to do with running of state security agency. Mm, definitely a lot is piling up against um, um, the former president, Theo, and rightly so, as mentioned by Kanye, in, in the form of the latest testimonies surrounding the state security agency. 
Benjamin, I must agree with Kanye because, um, you know, Zuma uh, is, a, is, a, is a very cunning politician. Um, and he has been in a lot of trouble his whole life. So he, he's a, he, he kind of lands on his feet every time and, and, and surprises us through his creative ways of getting out of it. But I think this time, um, he uh, he can do what Dudu Mayeni did by not incriminating himself. But uh, I think he can also utilize um, two other methods. Um, mm. He can um, he can just forget. Um, he can't remember that. Uh, that is that is. I'm one, sorry, I one, just couldn't help it. Yeah, that is one excuse. And the other one, of course, is. Uh, illness um you know we live in a COVID time and mm-hmm. all this and all that there is not an end to the creativity with which he has done these things but i think um legally speaking he has reached somewhere near the end of um the road doing things um uh in terms of the so-called stalingrad option and that is to to extend everything and to move from one kind of excuse to another. But uh, the other point, of course, is he can he can deny and he can forget and all these kind of things that he has done. But that means when, when the report is finalized, um, the judge will not have a choice but to say 28 people indicated A, B, and C. We put this to Zuma. He couldn't remember. So the the... The narrative is that, yes, Mr. Zuma, you were involved. So he will make a finding um, to that extent. So it's a very, very difficult spot that Zuma and his lawyers. And and you will see the next thing. In that sense, Zuma is a little bit like Trump. When you have when you've used, then he has used your 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 value, your utility. He throws you under the bus. So we may also see him looking at different um, legal um, uh, teams and things like that. Mm. So I I will not be surprised by any of these things. But I must tell you, and uh, with that I also agree with Kanye, if it wasn't for the personality of Judge Zondo, which kind of in a friendly way allows Brian Mulefe to go on a tantrum of his own, to allow Machela Coco to mm. run his own story. Mm. Uh, I don't think we've heard Lucky uh, from from Prasa yet, um, but he, he he's a he's a he's a friendly face with a lot of uh, endurance. Mm. I know and we've he, we've dubbed him as 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 the the policing teddy bear, haven't we? Exactly, <laughs> and and that that I think. Is a is a hidden value because mm. it's um, it it uh, if you had a guy sitting on top or in front or at the head of the table that lost his temper, which Sondo mm. did once or twice briefly mm. for one day only or something like that. But if we had a different personality, this also would have worked well. There's only one comment that I would like to make on what Kanye said, and that is remember. Well, it is true that Zuma appointed the Zondo Commission, but he was in such a corner, painted in such a corner at the end of 2016-2017, just before um, uh, Ramaphosa took over, 
that he virtually had no choice. Mm-hmm. And remember that court case that uh, people said, but Mr. Zuma, you cannot appoint the chair of the judge. You must provide this to Mukweng Mukweng mm-hmm. for him to appoint. So, so there, I think, mm-hmm. Zuma lost control of mm-hmm. the process. Up mm-hmm. to that point, he could have had a kind of control like he had with Sariti and a mm. few other judges, which, of course, wasn't mentioned in the last week or so, but we know some of the judges that did a whitewash and, 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 and kind of went over very, very important things like the defense contracts and, and um, created the whitewash. So, mm. um, Well, yeah. sure, let's take a quick break. I'll come back to both of you and look at this uh, burning theme that has been overtaking um, the uh, state capture inquiry, which is over the state security agency. Um, I I said earlier on things were heating up, but things have been heated at the inquiry. I want us to look at the significance of the latest testimonies uh, that we've heard in the last few days and how central they are uh, to this uh, inquiry, especially the fact that most of them uh, are connecting the dots that lead uh, to the former president, Jacob Zuma. You are listening to Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushatama. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with our guests. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy, which can ensure full employment to our people. The government concurs with the views of the Black Economic Empowerment Council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on Black Economic Empowerment more explicit. Last May, I asked constituencies at NetLab to discuss youth employment incentives. I'm pleased that discussions have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key principles. We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment, and to create more jobs for the youth of our country. They don't have jobs. I tried looking for a job for a year and a half now. The challenges were experience and the, the level of education which I have. Channel Africa. Indeed, you are listening to Channel Africa, South Africa's external service into sub-Saharan Africa. Remember, we broadcast in various languages from French, Chilozi, Chinyanja, French to Portuguese. And this is our program, uh, African Dialogue, where we diagnose the big subject matters on the African continent. Helping us today, we have Kanye Magubane, political analyst and broadcaster, Theo Finter from the University of Northwest, giving us some political and analysis. Can you let me come to you in terms of the testimonies of these unidentified witnesses, Ms. K and Mr. Y, and uh, they really uh, put a spotlight on the State Security Agency Office. Absolutely, and what has come out is 
something that I term as a president's men. And these are the people that enabled, um, you know, the, the former president allegedly to have this personal protective unit, and not just protective unit, but intelligence unit, mm. um, work specifically to collect intelligence and to also uh, protect the president while he was the president. And the primary um, objective of this um, unit, as um, indicated by <clears throat> the, the different testimonies that have come out, was to ensure that um, the former president is staying ahead of the game in terms of understanding who's planning what, who's saying what, who's meeting with who, who's trying to sabotage him, who's coming at him, who's investigating him, who are the judges. And we've heard testimonies of how resources from the state security agencies were put um, towards the special operating unit. We've had guys um, like Tulani Tula from who. Who were, who were listed as playing key and critical roles. We've seen Siabonga Kwele, David Maslow, Bo Bongani, Bongo, all playing key and critical roles in terms of ensuring that um, the clandestine work that was being done was well-staffed and well-resourced. There were agents, operatives, that were put to, uh, to specific state-owned entities. You know, we were told that there were spies at uh, Transnet, there were spies at ESCOM, there were um, spies, uh, you know, at, at many different uh, state-owned enterprises and maybe even Chapter 9 institutions as, as well. I mean, the Public Protective Office, mm. you know, we have to look into that. I think that it came out, if I'm not um, mistaken. But mm. what is scary is, is, is testimony that's coming out from from the from the unnamed or unidentified witnesses that as this was all happening and it was bypassing the protocols, the procurement. In fact, they were a law unto themselves and they were running a parallel state mm-hmm. within the state security agency. And we've even seen, um, you know, certain individuals like Zom, uh, who are said to be the chief spy, going AWOL, not being able to be found. We've seen, um, you know, figures like Siabonga Koele, you know, being fingered in terms of how they use state resources to ensure, you know, that the president was protected and the president always knew and always had a clear plan in terms of how he's going to hit back at his enemies because he had the intelligence, because he had placed um, specific people at specific places. We know that money was set aside for the judiciary. There were certain judges who were said to be on the on, on the payroll of um, this rogue, so-called rogue unit of the NAA. And I say rogue, you know, very loosely because... Mm-hmm. That's not officially what it was termed. It was a special operations yeah. unit. Mm-hmm. And it was running outside of government uh, process using government resources. Mm. Theo, it sounds like a, a born identity movie or, or something that we've seen in a, a James Bond scene indeed, but uh, it really leads to us uh, uh, seeing kind of a, a very uh, paranoia in uh, uh, President Zuma in terms of how much resources uh, were actually uh, directed to this uh, special operations unit. Yeah, uh, I grew up as a, as a young child with comics and and a little book called Spy versus Spy, and we enjoyed that very much. <laughs> I'm not sure whether that is still published, but we we tried every month to at least read that, <laughs> and, and 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 we had really our own version of it. Um, but uh, two or three things maybe on your on your question. The one is we now know how Mr. Zuma basically 
sustained himself um, outside. There were rumors two, three years ago mm. that in the entourage of the 10 or 20 vehicles that traveled with him all over the country, there was a specific car designated with cash in the boot. Now, when I heard it the first time, I thought, no, this is just one of those fake news stories. But now it seems to me it was more real than, than we all thought. Secondly, there was a break-in at one of um, SSA's facilities and money was kind of stolen um, sometime where people were aware. I think uh, the amount was 17 or 20 million. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. No investigation followed and nothing. Um, so, yes. And then, um, lastly, one of the things that um, in a democracy is extremely difficult is when when the intelligence service becomes uh, the play pit of a politician. In other words, you, you take the intelligence service, and they're very sensitive organizations all over the world, not only in South Africa. They're very, very sensitive to political ideology. They're very sensitive to people being put in place, mm-hmm. a DG, a deputy DG, or whatever that is either for me or against me and those kind of things. And I think the lesson learned out of this, out of the Zuma period and with the investigation that was led by Sidney Mofamadi and his, um, his, his experts was to really look into the structure of intelligence and to see how to do it best. We, we knew things went wrong during apartheid. Mm-hmm. We knew that um, the intelligence services of that time, whether it was military intelligence or national intelligence or the security police, were basically extensions of the state, uh, and not only the state, but the party running the state. And they were all coordinated in the so-called um, uh, uh, state, uh, uh, state, state um, security council, mm-hmm. state security council. That mm-hmm. was the that was the proper name. In the Zuma years, we were astonished to see the same structure emerging mm-hmm. somehow, where all of these things are coordinated, and that becomes a very powerful instrument. And if your politician, like Zuma, is also doubtful in his ethics, doubtful in, in some of the other things that he's doing, he then runs the country with, and, and there sits the comparison. Mm-hmm. with apartheid that we all are so uneasy with. In apartheid, Parliament became a rubber stamp. Parliament had really no say because it was the cabinet, it was the politicians that took the decisions. Mm-hmm. The real decisions in, in apartheid South Africa was taken at the State Security Council and implemented from there, then taken to Parliament to rubber stamp and then implemented. So it was skewed in several ways. And during the Zuma years, some of those elements came to the fore. Mm. That's why, um, if we look back, three or four decisions were key. The decision in 2016, where somebody that recently died, Jackson and Tembu, was a key part of, and that was to allow for a vote of no confidence, in which some ANC members 
uh, voted. We don't know because it was a secret vote, but I think between between 18 and 27 uh, ANC members voted against Zuma. That was the beginning. That was the turning of the tide, mm-hmm. together with the role of Tuli Madunsela. That's why in history she will always be remembered as somebody that stood against a lot of intimidation. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, sure. as we move on. Um, the economy declined and, and, and Ramaphosa took over and then the Zondo Commission. So in, in that sense, I think the lesson learned out of this is we'll have to reconfigure our security system because what happened cannot happen again. Mm. And can you things got very uh, personal or became of a family affair in terms of their nature? Because Loiso uh, Jafta, the acting director general, I don't know if uh, Kanye is there. Kanye, are you still there? Oh, well, I think I've lost uh, uh, Kanye there. But let me take a quick break again and see if we can get uh, um, the, uh, Kanye back on the line. Because I wanted to ask you around uh, uh, the testimony that was made by the mm-hmm. acting director general of the intelligence service, uh, Loiso Jafta, who, who spoke around a lot of issues, especially around how um, the agency's uh, purse was looted and abused. But what stood out was the fact that the agency was used to detain one of Zuma's wife after a poisoning claims. I'll look at that after our break. Uh, let's just take a quick break, a short one, and we'll be back. Africa. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, right here on our program African Dialogue, where from Monday to Friday we contextualize the big issues on the African continent. I think we have Kanye back. Uh, Kanye, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you. Yeah, the big one is around this testimony, around uh, the acting uh, uh, director general, Luiso Jafta, who was speaking around a lot of facts. But what really also stood out for the nation was the fact that one of Zuma's wives was detained uh, by the agency after there were those poisoning claims. I know that she's come out and spoken to the media, it was published in the Sowetan, the fact that she feels vindicated by uh, uh, what's happening within the, the Zondo Commission. I think we can just look at that as only but one example of how the SAA, SSA, my apologies, was misused and abused. And I did pick that story up yesterday of Umanduli, who, who claimed that she was detained by operatives and intelligence, um, you know, operatives who wanted to question her in terms of how she had managed, if she had, of course, as these remain allegations, to poison the former uh, president. And this, of course, we know was you know the reason if not is along with many other reasons why the marriage uh, fell apart. We know that um, there were issues of uh, 
allegations of infidelity on the side of the former Mrs. Zuma with an alleged bodyguard who was subsequently killed. And those remain um, allegations at the mm. moment. But, um, you know, it's come out to say that Zuma suspected the former Mrs. to have had issues with infidelity. And when he retaliated, she then sought to kill him by means of poisoning him. And that's where the intelligence operatives picked this up. And we can only assume that it's through intercepted phone calls, it's through intercepted communication that all of this was picked up. And she was then held against her wish. Can you imagine how many other individuals, uh, Benjamin, have also been subjected to the same? Those who are deemed to be threat to the Zuma administration because in essence, I mean we had secret billions poured into protecting um, the Zuma presidency and we can only assume that it was because of you know the widespread corruption that was happening at the various government departments, SOEs um, we know that um, the Guptas were involved in a part of this, but to have an entire state security agency I mean this is the equivalent of the CIA mm. or other types of uh, security security agencies in different parts of the world being captured by the president for his own personal use and own protective unit. That's an indictment. Mm. And, yeah, one. definitely. Okay, I want us to wrap it up and uh, I want us to look at something that might have seemed peripheral but speaks a lot of uh, some of the contestations that are made against um, the commission, Kanye, because we saw some representations standing up, especially from the Minister of State Security, Ayanda Zodlo, attempting to stop uh, uh, some of uh, the testimonies that were going to be made in light of the state security agency. What did you make of that bizarre um, uh, characteristics of uh, this uh, part of um, the, the, the commission's um, handling? Well, number one, I understood that the minister came across as having something to hide. You know, mm. plain and simple. And she's hit back and she's saying that it wasn't that she was trying to prevent um, the acting DG from giving testimony at the commission. However, what she says is that she wanted um, Jafta to, to brief her so she would know what to say to the president. Mm. I, I don't particularly buy that. You know, there's nothing stopping him from briefing the minister and testifying at the commission. The one does not have to be at the expense of the other. So I think there's definitely an issue of uh, classified information that would uh, become declassified upon his testimony, which perhaps he was worried about. The question is, whose interest is she serving? And, you know, she's saying that it was for the president to have a proper briefing, but I think it was a way to gag um, Mr. Louisa Jaffa from uh, speaking and testifying at the commission. Mm. And final sentiments from you, um, Theo, around that uh, matter that seemed peripheral but took a bit of time of the commission um, because we know we have a big deadline that's pending, uh, which is uh, March this year. Yeah, no, I think it was important to, to hear the full story and to and to get um, down to the detail. And, and I think it goes towards the function of the state security agency it has two mandates is an internal mandate mm -hmm. and it has an external mandate and looking after the president and his domestic affairs must make up a very very small portion of their work and i think dedicated to a vip unit or a special branch unit like we see in the u.s and all other places but in 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 this case i think 
it played a role of protecting um, the president. And now we can understand, politically mm. speaking, why people were scared to speak out, why people didn't do what they had to do. Because, uh, you know, nowadays, when you're looking for somebody that voted National Party before 1994, you won't find one. <laughs> they're all gone. And well, I think well, the, well the they, they're not visible. <laughs> the same thing is going to happen with supporters of Mr. Zuma. Mm. They, they, they're going to disappear. And, uh, and it is important for us to, 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 to ascertain why didn't they speak out. And I think um, there was um, urban legend about what he did, which, of course, urban legend is stories, but it is so compelling that people kind of uh, steer clear of it. Or they just turned a blind eye, mm. or they did what... Um, what Mr. Ramaphosa did, and I, I will end off by a video clip that I saw of Mike Pence last week. Now, Mike Pence was deputy to Donald Trump, Trump for four yeah, years. Yeah. And he has started with his campaign to be president in four years' time. And his campaign goes like the following. It starts off by saying, sometimes it is strategic to say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, when I listened to that, this would have been a CR-17 campaign a few years. <laughs> now, on that, on that note, I will end. Kanye, your final sentiment? Well, my final sentiment, Benjamin, is that at the end of the day, I would love to see convictions. I would like to mm. see um, accountability. I would like... The all, all these allegations that have come forth must not be in vain. All this testimony, people have put their lives in danger. People have asked for indemnity, protection. People are risking their lives mm -hmm. to reveal all of this information. It must not be in vain. There, have to be, uh, there has to be a very clear-cut sense of people paying for the wrong that they've done. Kanye, I have to say, I miss your voice on radio. My mother misses you as well, being on radio. She was one of your biggest <laughs> fans on your Sunday show. I, I think it's the biggest injustice. <laughs> it's the biggest injustice, definitely, that you're no longer on radio. But thank you so much for giving us your political analysis. Thank you as well to Theo Fenter from the University of the Northwest, also giving us his political analysis. We really appreciate you giving us your time. Thank it's only you. a pleasure. Thank you so much. African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting.